Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a problem. Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Oh, this is going to be good. I'm Michelle Majuk. And I'm Kate Majuk. And we're married. To each other. And this is the Ball Blast NFL Podcast. Each episode, we will feature the latest top news in the NFL and what it means for fantasy football, sports betting, and you, the NFL fan. Ayo! Ayo! Welcome into the Ball Blast podcast. We have an awesome show for you today. Yes, we do. Listen, last week we were all nice. We talked about all the most underrated players when it comes to fantasy football in 2023. And being nice is nice, right? It's twice as nice. It's twice as nice. But you know what's fun? Uh, not bullying. Not I wouldn't bullying, say but bullying. Being, you know, just <laughs> Being a little mean. Just being a little, a little no, 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 no. It's not, not mean. Not being mean. It's spicy. Mm-hmm. It's spicy. Getting a little spicy. Cause yeah, you know what? I don't like to be mean. You're right. Yeah. But getting w- a little spicy, having some fun with some bold takes, it's always fun. And there are some guys being drafted very early because they are very good. I think we can acknowledge that. They're very good players. But it's just too high of a cost for fantasy, especially when it comes to this upcoming season. So we're each going to give our three players that we think are too overrated, are too costly when it comes to 2023 drafts. But before that, you know, we're in June. We have some fun off-season headlines like we do every year when it comes to the NFL. Like just some crazy headlines that come out of either like fantasy analysts or NFL analysts or from their own team or from their own head coaches. And we always have to like decide, are those true? Or are they just coach speak or silly off-season narratives? Is it a weed for your fantasy teams or it is, is it a seed for your fantasy? Weed or seed, yeah, baby. Yeah, weed or seed. Um, this comes from me who's like been obsessed with growing the grass in our lawn. Um, I'm like apparently a landscaper now. I don't mean to brag. Um, I've spent a lot of time weeding and seeding my lawn and I think it's time to do that for fantasy football. So like you said, Michelle, a lot of headlines, a lot of narratives that we're going to have to continue to swim through throughout the off season. So I want to just like break it down. Are we buying or selling these narratives and buying into the hype? So let's start off. ESPN's Teron Davenport says Traylon Burks is playing at a different speed and is noticeably leaner in off season workouts and practices. Now, if you'll remember last year, the the reports and the videos coming out of I, I think it was like the rookie mini camps were basically you know Traylon Burks it felt like all we saw was him huffing and puffing and <laughs> some reports of his asthma yeah, which as an asthma. asthma sufferer like lay off y'all you could have just sucks. said as an asthmatic but oh as an asthma sufferer works as well I well I suffer <laughs> um, but asthma sucks y'all but you know Traylon Burks. Let's be real. There might not be any receiver in the league that um, has as much potential to hit 200 targets just based on the sheer lack of receiving weapons for this team. So are you buying or selling Traylon Burks and his lean, mean, 
uh, I mean, different speed machine. I feel okay. So normally these reports, I throw this side like looks the greatest they ever have. Like, oh, we're so, all in the best shape yeah, of our lives. Best shapes of our life. But I do think this kind of report for Traylon Burks is important because last year we were getting the he's struggling to get into NFL shape. Like he's not there. He doesn't have the like the asthma was really he was struggling with that and it's like is he going to be able to last throughout games was he conditioned yeah. enough to yeah. last for the entire season so i do think getting these reports are important and Traylon burks is a guy i like at his cost this year because he disappointed in his first year he missed some games due to injury but in three of his last five games played he had over 70 scrimmage yards he was coming along like you saw flashes of him being able to be good in this league. He had to play with pretty crappy quarterback play last year. Hopefully Ryan Tannehill comes back healthy. He's better and he actually lasts the whole year and it doesn't, I mean, who knows what Will Levis will look like, but he has to be good for this team to do anything. I mean, he's the only wide receiver worth anything on this team. Now we did get reports earlier this off season that, uh, maybe uh, like DeAndre Hopkins visited the team and maybe there's, I don't know. Something I don't get there. why De- Hopkins would ever sign that. Uh, that. That's what I don't understand from his perspective, why he would be enticed there, but it, he took the team visit. I don't know if he, you know, maybe wanted like some dinner or what have you, but you know, my biggest concerns from, you know, looking at Traylon Burks when he came out of Arkansas as a prospect he was a really big slot receiver. Like, you look at his frame, 6'2", 225, he played out at college, and that's not the frame that you would necessarily attribute to a slot wide receiver. You generally think of them as, you know, suitable roles for, for these shifty, smaller receivers, and Traylon Burks didn't fit that role, but that's where he was super successful, came into the NFL, played the majority of his snaps when he was active out wide. Is this like I do one of those like circumstances? Watching him, though, he was like always open. Like it, when he was on the field and when Ryan Tannehill was on the field, it, it felt like Tannehill was always looking for Burks and it worked out. Now it wasn't very often when both were on the field healthy, unfortunately, but I do think if Burks can make it through the season healthy, it's really hard. Like go through the projections. It's almost impossible not to give him. 130 plus targets and that's being like on the conservative side it is but I just wish that the Tennessee Titans had another receiving option like I I would love to see Traylon Burks return to the slot even though that isn't where you would necessarily project him from like a physique standpoint he was more efficient playing out of the slot than he was they don't have enough options right now like he has to be that's the that's the problem and i i so i do i buy into the report i buy into the potential especially from a volume perspective with Traylon burks but it's an it's going to be interesting to see his development especially at the hands of their question marks at quarterback we've seen highs from ryan Tannehill. there's there's a lot to consider there um Let's head over to Indy. Uh, Indianapolis stars Nate Atkins believe Gardner Minshew has a chance to start in week one. Buying or selling? I don't know. Maybe in exactly week one. I'm selling the crap out of this, I by mean, the way. Yeah. Like, unless Anthony Richardson completely 
bombs. It does seem like they really want to give Richardson every chance to start in week one. But even if Minshew makes it in week one, how long is that going to last? A, a few weeks? I don't really know. Like, I don't think the Colts are competing this year. Even though their division is not necessarily the hardest. like maybe That's the can... thing is like in the AFC South, yeah, anybody's but, competitive. Oh, cool, you but... get to the playoffs. Let's just say they have like their top opportunity this year like their complete ceiling this year is they somehow sneak into the playoffs at nine and eight they're going to get then hammered by the the chiefs the bills the Bengals, the rape like what do you care right like you're not competing for a super bowl this year you're not competing to go deep into the playoffs what are you doing with gardner Minshew? get your rookie who really needs experience experience and I also think that's their best chance to win as well. If you just like destroy, like just be so good in the run game with what Richardson can do with what Jonathan Taylor can do. Hopefully your defense is better next year. And that's your, probably your best chance to win games. I don't know. Like I don't get what Gardner Minshew is going to do for your team at all. I, I mean, I'm not I think... saying he can't, he's probably at this moment, a better quarterback than Anthony Richardson for the end a hundred percent. But it's not – we're not talking about, oh, no, Patrick Mahomes goes down. We need just a reliable guy right now. Like, yeah, then Garner Minshew might be a better asset for that kind of team. No, you're in rebuild mode. It makes no sense to start your year with a guy that's never going to bring you to the Super Bowl or even far into the playoffs. And, it, it, I mean, Richardson, like, the biggest, you know, knock on Richardson is that he needs to develop a little bit more as a passer – He's not going to develop like it, you can make the argument like on the bench, you know, you get those mental reps, et cetera, but there's no simulation for actual NFL gameplay. Now, if DraftKings Sportsbook is any sort of indication, so the over under for Anthony Richardson's passing yards is at 2,600, which if you spanned that out over 17 games, that's only 152 receiving yards per game. So either DraftKings uh, and, and the major sports books are buying into those reports that maybe he's not going to play a full season or they don't expect him to be a very productive passer, which of I those mean, is more likely. Fields didn't even average that last year. He averaged in the 140s for a game. Insanely low. But it, Fields had a decent season last year for fantasy. Now, and also the Bears weren't going to win any more games if they had Gardner Minshew in there instead of Justin Fields. Like, Fields was not the issue. So that's kind of my same point. It's yeah. get the player experience. You're not going for anything for this year anyways. So that's why I don't believe these reports. But also at the same time, I don't care because even if he starts, they're going to lose games and then put in Anthony Richardson. So for Jonathan Taylor, though, if you're drafting Jonathan Taylor early, I want Anthony Richardson to be the starting quarterback. It just will make everything easier for him. That moment of of question, does the ball go to Jonathan Taylor or is it staying with Anthony Richardson? And if it stays with Anthony Richardson, is it yeah. a run? Is it a pass? Like that moment. Because Taylor pause. already doesn't get very many receptions anyways. So it's not like you're like, oh, I need Gardner Minshew in there for him to get his targets. It's like, not like an Austin. That's Eckler. not what you're relying on anyways. You're relying on how efficient he is as a runner, his touchdown opportunities, all the carries, the volume he gets. And it's just, I, I think his efficiency with Anthony Richardson on the field, he could average the highest yards per carry in the league next year. Ooh, that feels like a low-key spicy take that I wasn't prepared for. 
Um, all right, let's let's move on. Marcel Louis Jacques of ESPN covering the Miami Dolphins believes it may not be long before Ricky running back Devin A. Chain has a prominent role in the Dolphins offense. Buying or selling? Selling. I mean, meh. A, they're looking into Dalvin Cook. So they have been tied to Dalvin Cook literally all offseason. Now they couldn't get the trade done, but the, nothing the, stopping them from signing him in the free agent market. Yeah, I do think the one way he can get a pretty significant role is if they don't sign Dalvin Cook and then Raheem Mostert gets injured, which Raheem Mostert has had a lot of issues with staying healthy for full seasons, so that could happen. But Mostert's the vet there. He is very similar to A-Chain where he can break one and bring it to the house in any given play. He can break off an 80-yard rush and bring like a, a touchdown – we see it every year where rookies come in and you're excited to see him. A vet, especially one that's so similar, is going to just – he's going to get the carries. And you're not even bringing up Jeff Wilson, who also has yes. kind of a similar profile of these speedy speedy running backs. Like that yeah, is- But he's also more like – he's bigger. He's probably going to get more carries. So I don't see a world that A-Chain is fantasy relevant unless we get injuries in the backfield, which could happen – but I'm not going to draft a chain and be like, okay, well, I need two injuries to happen. And then what if they bring in someone else? Well, here's the question. What does like, does a prominent role in the dolphins rushing attack actually mean all that much? And you look back at 2022, which I think is a pretty like good sample of what they want to accomplish. They did, uh, you know, Mike McDaniel ran his offense, ran it very successfully, very efficiently, had the second fewest run attempts. Dolphins ranked eighth fewest rushing yards. Like, you know, they were right around the league average in terms of yards per attempt, 4.3 yards per attempt. Like, they weren't necessarily terrible at running the ball, but they just, it wasn't a big focus for them. It wasn't a big part of their offense. And no wonder, because you've got Tyreek Hill and you've got Jalen Waddell. And, you know, that's, that's obviously going to be your focal point. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not buying this at all. So but even if even if it is true, I just don't think it means that much. Yeah, just from the Dolphins roster construction. What does and- prominent role mean? Like he'll be on the field sometimes. Yeah, sure, maybe. <laughs> like, but it's not going to be enough for fantasy. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I definitely at least think- not in the beginning half of the season. Maybe he'll be a guy that we're looking at adding on waivers later on in the season if there are injuries, but it's not someone I'm considering drafting in redraft leagues when it comes to September, unless we already have a major injury to that backfield. But again, if they have a major injury, they'll probably just pick up a vet, especially if it happens before the season. But even during the season, there's going to be guys available. Yeah, I don't, I, I just don't, I, I like the talent of Devin A. Chain, but he feels, you know, really kind of like a one-trick pony. He's got the speed to his game, but so does everybody else. In he's going to have some nice games for sure because he's going to break off best ball. A, a touchdown. It's just you have no idea when that's going to be. So here's the thing: I would draft him in best ball, but you could get Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson cheaper. So yeah, that that's the conundrum. It's hard. Yeah. All right. Rams head coach Sean McVay said two two Atwell two two Atwell. <laughs> We'll have a role in the team's passing offense this season, buying or selling. 
I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he had a role at the end of last year because they didn't have anyone. And guess what? They still don't really have anyone at wide receiver. I mean, obviously Cooper Cup's absolutely amazing. But besides Cooper Cup, it's Van Jefferson, Ben Skronik. Uh, they did sign Demarcus Robinson. They drafted Puka. I don't know. Like, he has a chance. There's... It's a pretty, it's not like it's a really hard depth chart to make your way to the top or not to the second most targeted guy behind Cooper Cup. They still have Matthew Stafford there. It's just, it, I mean, was, he was a second round pick, right? So it's not like he wasn't considered a highly, uh, he had a good <laughs> prospect. It's just, he's so tiny and it's hard to utilize guys like that. He is super tiny, so like we're there's been some discrepancy, right, in terms of like his his size, his measurements, um, small hands, uh, eight and seven eighth inches hands, not that much bigger than your own hands, Michelle. Remember when we measured our hands out yeah. in the Kenny not, Pickett era? Almost the same uh, <laughs> size as Kenny Pickett, yeah. Uh, per mock draftable, uh, it came in under five nine at one hundred and fifty five pounds. So like. Even even Tank Dell, like we we love Tank Dell, but this guy's ten pounds lighter than Tank Dell, and we know the history of like these guys being major contributors in the offense. Tuto Atwell, I think, was still one of the weirdest draft picks I can remember uh, since I've been footballing and since I've been into the draft and and into the NFL. It was just weird considering their needs, but I, I meh. Yeah, no, I, I mean, this you. this report's not going to make me draft Tutu. Maybe if he's on your waivers in uh, Dynasty Leagues, like, sure, put him on your bench. I have him on my bench in a couple of my, like, 30-guy 30, 30 rosters. Fine, especially in PPR Leagues, maybe. Maybe it'll work out. Because he he was more involved with Baker there at the end of the year, but it just didn't turn into anything. He had nine targets one game for 50 yards. His yards per reception is just far too low. And it doesn't really matter. Okay, last question that I want to ask, because I've already, I think, made my stance on this guy, like, super clear, but just want to get your final thoughts. Kadarius Tony will be the wide receiver one for the Kansas City Chiefs buying or selling. And whenever he's healthy, yeah. He's the wide receiver one. He was healthy I, in the Super Bowl and played five offensive Okay, snaps. but he got there halfway through the season. Oh they God. still had Juju. They had MVS. They had, like, I don't think this is their... When Justin Watson is a bigger contributor to your your Super Bowl team and plays more snaps like it, you're telling me they prefer I, I know Tony had a, a five-yard reception for a touchdown only target only reception it doesn't matter because Tony can't stay healthy it doesn't matter but it does matter I think Kadarius Tony is very talented I didn't even put this in the show sheet but no. I just like needed your I, thoughts but Justin Watson actually played Kadarius more Tony offensive is very snaps. talented I think he's shown that to us when he can stay on the field so if he happens to make it for the full season or even most of the season I think he has a very nice fantasy season and I think he's a good value because everyone rightfully is very scared of his injuries can't now, beat out play, MBS if he can't beat a, out Justin if Watson if he gets to play a full season with Patrick Mahomes I, I do think he's the wide receiver one there um 
here's the name of a guy who played more offensive I don't snaps care in the about Super Bowl. That. Maybe he Jody Fortson. He was off the injury report. Jody Fortson. Okay. You don't know that he didn't come into the game and heard of he does it all the time where he plays, but he does, he's not healthy or he gets hurt on the first play of that he's out there. So you have I no just idea feel what like was happening. We would have heard something about that, but that's fine. Um, I feel like he would have been really mad if he didn't play and he was healthy. I feel like we would have heard more about that. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, Michelle. we need to get into our most overrated <laughs> players because we talked far too much about guys that probably won't matter when it comes to 2023. But it is important to go through these news articles and figure out what you're buying or what you're selling. Go through the exercise of just yeah. thinking. Like when you're reading these these reports, I mean, try to picture what those reports actually mean. Like even if, you know, the Devin A. Chain example, like even if he is a big part of, of this team's rushing attack, what does that actually mean? Probably not a ton for fantasy football. You know, like going, it's a mental exercise. And it's one that I think you can pretty much do every single time a news story drops through the offseason because you never really know what's going to hold weight. All right, let's hop in to our most overrated players for the 2023 fantasy season. Michelle, I think you need to tee us off because you are going to have a spicy, spicy. All right. I don't want people to log off. I don't want people to close the app. Be sure to leave us your five-star reviews. I want you. Yeah. Just let me explain. All right. My first one is actually two. So I'm actually giving you four guys, but these two are kind of a duo and it's Joe Burrow and T Higgins. Listen, all of our Ohio fans. um, I know. And people are going to be like, you're a Steelers homer. It's not because of that. I love these players very, very much. I didn't know you were a Steelers fan. Love Joe Burrow. T. Higgins was one of my favorites going into last year for, uh, you know, value. But now he's too high. Okay. He's costing too much. So Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, amazing players. But they are overrated for fantasy when it comes to 2023. I'll start with T. Higgins. He's going as a wide receiver 12. A, he was a wide receiver 18 last year. And that was with Jamar Chase missing four games Two of his four games that Higgins scored over 20 fantasy points in PPR came in games that Chase missed last year. Before Jamar Chase's injury, so he got hurt in week seven. From weeks one through seven, T. Higgins was only averaging 12.6 PPR points per game. That is very low. And yes, T. Higgins is extremely talented. He's going to have good games. But Jamar Chase is the clear wide receiver one there. So when he's healthy, it's going to be hard for to get any consistency out of T. Higgins. And again, like I said, last year he was able to make up a lot of points and score pretty well while Chase was out. And he still was only the wide receiver 18. So I don't know how we're moving him to wide receiver 12 when they didn't lose Tyler Boyd. When they added a wide receiver in the draft, for some reason I can't think of his name, but that's besides the point. But they still have Charlie Jones. Yeah, Charlie Jones. They still have all the weapons besides Hayden Hurst. Like, there's no reason to be like, oh, T. Higgins is going to be so much more better this year. And the reason why I'm out on T. Higgins, like if he was going later in the draft, sure. But you have to take T. Higgins over a lot of great running backs going around the range that he's going at. You're taking him over running backs that can be legit league winners like Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson, Tony Pollard, Jameer Gibbs, Najee Harris, or quarterbacks that can be absolute game changers and Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes. Or even if you want to look at other wide receivers, there's Chris Olave going after him who has a chance to be a real wide receiver one for his team. This T. Higgins cost makes no sense to me. That, I think, like, 
when you hear T Higgins wide receiver 12, I feel like that kind of sounds about right. I know you have like some stats to say that like, maybe that's too yeah. high, but you might project him out and he might land at wide receiver 12 for you. That's fine. But that's his ceiling. But it's also what are you giving up to draft T Higgins at wide receiver 12? That's the biggest question. I think you pointed out a lot of interesting names that have some higher upside or might give you more of a positional of advantage. Backs. Yeah, for sure. And especially like if Mark Andrews or T Higgins is sitting there, Mark Andrews is going to make such a bigger difference than a T Higgins will. You can find T Higgins later in your draft at wide receiver. There, there's so many wide receivers that do exactly what T Higgins does over a course of a season for fantasy that there's just no reason to have to take him that high. And that's kind of the same thing with Joe Burrow. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, no doubt. But when it comes to fantasy, he's not that big of a difference maker. He was a quarterback four last year. That's awesome. And he's going as a quarterback five now. So it seems pretty fair. But he, there was a big difference between Hertz, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes than it was to Burrow. So Hertz averaged 25 points per game. Allen averaged just under 25 points per game. And Mahomes was at 24.5 fantasy points per game. So those were the top three. And then Burrow was at 21.9. So that's almost a three point per game drop off between those top three and Burrow. And that's a huge drop off. Like he was closer to Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson, who were at 20 points per game than he was the Mahomes, Allen or Hertz. Well, he has such a big name right now that he's going so high in drafts, but he it's because he has such huge games, right? He has he has some games that really are just like, wow, he's absolutely amazing. But he scored fewer than 20 fantasy points in half of his games last year. You can't get that from a guy you have to draft this early. If you're drafting a quarterback this early and passing up on the other positions that are more valuable, you're saying this guy is going to be absolutely amazing for me. And if he's doing eight games, half of a season, where he's scoring under 20 fantasy points, that's just not good enough. He had over 25 fantasy points just four times last year. That is the same exact amount as Jared Goff had. Same exact amount as Jared Goff had. And it was a great season for Burrow. And so when you're comparing his 25 points four times to Mahomes and Hertz, who each did it eight times, doubled the amount, Josh Allen, who did it seven times, his upside and his consistency is just not enough. And it's due to his rushing. He doesn't rush like these other guys do or put up as many touchdowns as Mahomes does. It's not that he doesn't have the capability of being mobile, but that's not where he scores his fantasy points. Like that's not where he focuses his game. His game is through his arm. For Burrow to be absolutely amazing for fantasy where he's actually a difference maker, he's going to have to score so many passing touchdowns. He could do it. I just don't want to have to depend on it. He's going as a 33rd overall player right now in ADP. So you're taking him again over the guys I just mentioned around T Higgins. It's over Jameer Gibbs, over Mark Andrews, over Chris Alave, like these, these guys that can make a difference on your team when you could be taking Herbert going around later, who's exactly the same, or Dak Prescott, who's going 40 picks later than him. Aaron Rodgers going 70 picks later than him. Or Geno Smith, who's going, you know, in the eighth plus round. Like the difference, but I think this is like the selling point, and this is the argument we make every single season in terms of why you don't necessarily want to invest in the quarterback position unless it is one of those difference makers. Like, the difference between a Joe Burrow and a Geno Smith is not nearly as significant as the difference between a 
Tony Pollard and a Antonio Samaje Piran yeah. might be like that. Those are the player differences. Like if we just swapped out QB pick for RB pick, that's what we'd be dealing with right now. Um, you know, Jamal Williams being drafted on average ahead of Geno Smith. Like those but, are the kind of players that you'd be. So even Geno Smith, I think is a lot riskier, but when you look at a guy like Dak Prescott going 40 picks later, you were choosing Dak Prescott over guys like Antonio Gibson, Jamison Williams, who suspended the first six games, AJ Dillon, David Njoku, Samaji Pirine. Those are the guys going around him. Those are who you are missing out on instead of Dak. Like, okay, cool. That's completely yeah, fine I'm with me. Yeah, I'm cool missing out on those guys. But Dak Prescott and Joe Burrow have the same exact ceiling. And they both, like, I know last year Dak had a pretty bad fantasy year. There's a lot of reasons behind that. I can get to it in another episode. But they have the same ceiling. They're both in good offenses. They both have good playmakers. And they're both limited of being, like, absolutely consistent because of rushing. They don't have that. So I just, I can't draft Joe Burrow where he's going. I think that's fair. That feels fair. Thank um, you. It hurts because, you know, you see the potential. You see how good this team is. It, you know they're going to be scoring points. I think that is where. The- and if you want an exciting quarterback, that's completely fine. And you want to just have a plug-and-play quarterback, take the Jalen Hurts, take the Josh Allen, take the Patrick Mahomes. And just for comparison, uh, the the Bengals only scored um, – uh, 11, 11 more points than the Seahawks last year. Uh, so like we're, we're talking about two really good offenses here, but you know, I, I think generally speaking, Joe Burrow's a, a better overall quarterback, a better NFL quarterback than you might want on a week to week basis, given the investment that you have to make in terms of draft capital for fantasy. Yes. For fantasy. All right, Kate, who's your first underrated player? overrated player mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you said under I don't oh, want right. to oh I'm not marketing this guy as an underrated <laughs> over, player over I want to talk about DK Metcalf because the perception and this is a guy that is going to be catching passes presumably from Geno Smith most of the season just talked up the offense like at ranked ninth in points scored um, this is like this is a really good team and they made investments that I think are only going to improve the efficiency of that offense between the addition of Zach Charbonnet, between the addition of Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round. Like there are there's a lot of talent in this team, but I keep going back to the draft capital for DK Metcalf and asking myself, what are the expectations? He is being drafted as the wide receiver 15 on average, which like in my head when I'm I'm researching for this show, I said like, oh, that kind of feels like a value given the upside, right? When I actually dove into the stats, just 3% of his games over the last two seasons, he has finished as a top five wide receiver. That's not great. That is not great. That That is a testament to his lack of upside, just uh, 23, uh, just over 23% of his games, even as a top 12 wide receiver, you know, who outperformed him in all these metrics in terms of, of percentage of games where, you know, top five production, top 12 production, Tyler Lockett, who you can draft eons later. Like the, the biggest kicker for me in terms of, of DK Metcalf is the fact that I, I feel like we're chasing upside, but when, you know, this is a good offense. They've added some extra offensive players to the mix. Um, you know, I, I just don't 
necessarily understand what our goal is of drafting DK Metcalf at that point. Over the last two seasons, ranks 23rd in fantasy points per game despite being tight, despite being tied for the ninth most targets, uh, like 53.3 receiving yard or 59.3 receiving yards per game. Um, it's really been the touchdown production that's kind of saved him from a fantasy perspective. But he has no right to be this high. It's been no volatile, right. and it's been really being a DK Metcalf manager in you know dynasty leagues, especially where. He might be your number one wide receiver, and you don't, you can't pick up a lot of guys on waivers. Like the DK Metcalf ride has been rocky, and it has been nauseating. Yeah, he's going to be far too inconsistent this year. And then also, like Jackson Smith, the Jigba was the best wide receiver in this class, and they just added him. Like he's just there now. He's just a bonus. I don't like, know how there's enough to go around everybody, <laughs> let alone like DK has already been inconsistent. But, like, you know, for comparison, looking at DK Metcalf, like I said, less than 3% of his games in the last two seasons have yielded top five fantasy performances. Tyler Lockett, 12.5% of his games have had top five performances. Um, so, like, the, we're already seeing a more consistently high ceiling for, for Tyler Lockett there a greater percentage of games finishing as a top 12 wide receiver, a greater greater percentage of games finishing as a top 24 wide receiver. Tyler Lockett has been the better fantasy wide receiver on a week to week basis. And I I can draft him a lot later. I, I don't know what we're chasing with DK Metcalf. Yeah. Metcalf is just up there because of his name and because of how good he was to enter the league. I feel like I love DK and oh, that's yeah, why I, that's I love what him sucks. as a talent. It's just, it, there's not, I mean, he hasn't been consistent enough for fantasy for him to be the wide receiver 15. And that's without taking into account all of the, the receiving options they've added this off season, which I think Zach Charbonnet and Jackson Smith and Jigba, like two of my favorite prospects in this draft class at their respective positions. And not gonna yeah, help DK. Who Metcalf was even like I, I bet you right now who was the wide receiver three on their team last year in targets? Because I don't know. Do you know? I want to ask the listeners. Can you guess? I'm looking it up right now, so that's why I'm kind of stalling. <laughs> Which wide receiver had the third most targets for the I Seahawks? I guess it was Noah Fant, but no, I'm saying end. wide receiver. Um, I don't know. It was Marquise Goodwin. Ah, Forty two. Never would have guessed. If Jackson Smith, the Jigba, like obviously taking away injuries. He's getting more than double those targets easily, easily more than double 42 targets and targets are earned, but yeah. Jackson Smith and Jigba, like he is a good, good wide receiver. He should slot in immediately as their starting slot wide receiver. And like, it, you know, I think Tyler Lockett sort of has this reputation as being the slot wide receiver, but he's, he's, more so an outside guy. So, you know, this is where we're going to see, you know, I, I just, I, mm. DK, DK had 141 targets last year and he was the wide receiver 16. I don't see a world where he gets 141 next year with all three of those wide receivers there. And he didn't even finish at wide receiver 15 where his cost is right now. And again, that's not to say he's not one of the most talented receivers in the league. It's just, I don't know that the Seahawks, you know, are are necessarily interested in 
him ever seeing that 160 target mark. And he's not that kind of player. Like, hopefully he gets, like, better targets next year. And he can be efficient. I just, yeah, I don't think he's going to be consistent enough to go that high. There's other guys going around him that I want much more. And that kind of goes into my second guy who's Mm. most overrated. Mm -hmm. And I I think everyone knew I was going to talk about him because I kind of brought him up last week in our most underrated podcast when I was talking about Jahan Dotson. But Christian Watson, the Packers' second-year wide receiver. We disagree here, by the way. Okay. Well, he's going as a wide receiver 20, the 39th overall player. When you're comparing him to other second-year wide receivers, he is going a few picks ahead of Drake London, who, by the way, had like 29% of the Falcons' target share last year, an insane amount. Nearly 30 spots before Traylon Burks, over 30 spots ahead of Jahan Dotson and George Pickens. And these guys all show just as many flashes and potential, if not more, than Watson last year as rookies. And when you're picking Watson, you're choosing him again. He's in that same kind of space as like kind of near T Higgins here, uh, a little bit lower, but you're still picking him over a lot of good running backs or just better wide receivers. So better veteran wide receivers like Terry McLaurin, like Mike Williams, like Jerry Judy. Like I, I know or DeAndre Hopkins, maybe you want to go with the upside over these veterans who've let you down, but the running backs, I can't get over. The non- I don't think the receivers in those ranges, like every single one of those receivers you mentioned, all have question marks for me. And I do like, but again, but it's more the running backs. So not, he's going right next to Najee Harris, Jameer Gibbs, Travis Etienne is going after him. I cannot imagine looking at Christian Watson and taking him over those running backs. But also, I don't get why he's going. Why do you have to pay so much more for Christian Watson than you do these other second year wide receivers that have the same exact upside? You might say, well, it's the quarterbacks. Like I'm so worried about Traylon Burks because the Titans quarterback situation, or I'm so scared of Jahan Dotson because of Sam Howell or so scared of Drake London because of Desmond Ritter. Christian Watson is playing with Jordan love. It's like people are forgetting that Aaron Rodgers left the Packers. I'm not saying Jordan Love can't be good, but he is just as much of a question mark as these other quarterbacks. Watson last year played 14 games. In eight of those games, he scored fewer than 10 PPR points, including five games with fewer than five points. I mean, if you started him in five games, you basically lost because he didn't even score you five points in PPR, which is nearly impossible as a starting wide receiver, but that's besides the point. Uh, He had an awesome four-game stretch, don't get me wrong, weeks 10 through 13. He was fantastic. It was because he scored seven receiving touchdowns during that span of four games. Those were all of his touchdowns throughout the entire season. And could he be amazing? Yeah, he has the skill set to be really, really good. But there's a lot of wide receivers in that offense could be that have the same chance as he does. And when I'm looking at the other second-year wide receivers going light years behind him, I'm just going to take a chance on him, them, because they have the same chance to be great. I de- like I think you have a lot of good points, Michelle, but from an analytic standpoint, I look at what Christian Watson did in his rookie season and he like pretty much with across Aaron Rodgers. With with Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers who didn't have a great season. Just you know, as because a whole, his wide receiver sucked, including Christian Watson who couldn't catch but, the ball. No, but like you 
Drop rate, not good. 10.9%. Not great. But we know drop rate doesn't necessarily, you know, make a but receiver irrelevant. That's what we were worried about coming out of college was that's, his dropsies. So oh, the, absolutely. That translated into the NFL. It did. But, you know, I from an analytics perspective, he showed you everything that you would ideally want as a rookie. 123.3 passer rating when targeted. 75% cat, contested catch rate tied for second in the NFL. 14.9 yards per reception tied for 11th. 2.26 yards per route run, 11th in the NFL, 6.4 yards after the catch per reception that ranked fourth. Like he ranked among elite wide receivers in all of these metrics, which are generally his sample size predictive is so small. Of, though. It is it, it, absolutely, but you can't ignore it. He was he also wasn't fully healthy last year. I I am. Consider me curious about Watson, but I do agree the the draft price is like hard to but if you so get on board with. Yeah. So let's say you someone was giving you a choice between Christian Watson, Traylon Burks, or Jahan Dotson, and they said you have you have to put down a hundred dollars that Christian Watson will be the best of these three. How confident would you feel? Mm. Would you put it down? Like they give you the opportunity, you're gonna. Ooh, put it down. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make the bet. Okay. So depending on my option, if you're giving me a free hundred dollars, well, do I have not. a free hundred dollars? No, you have to use your own hundred dollars. But we we have a shared bank account. Okay, so if you so don't, you want me to bet a hundred dollars? You the thing that's is, that's what he's, I'm hearing. He's going forty spots <laughs> ahead of Traylon Burks and Jahan Dotson, and if you don't feel confident enough that he's even going to outperform them, because we know they have the same ceiling, like. Also, especially Traylon Burks, who can also be the wide receiver one for his team with a like if Ryan Tannehill actually plays all year, that's a far more safe option at quarterback than Jordan Love is. I just and it's a way less crowded wide receiver room because the Packers just also drafted Jaden Reed. They also have Romeo Dobbs that they like. Also drafted a couple of tight ends. Yeah, a couple of tight ends that are I just I'm not saying Christian Watson can't be the best of this group, but it seems silly to me to have to bet on him this much more than the other guys. Wide receiver 20 is so high for a guy that is so risky. Yeah. I And I I think we're not even bringing up, like, the big if, elephant in the room, which is Romeo Dobbs, who's been, you know, we could have probably included Romeo Dobbs in our, our buys, sells for fantasy offseason takes because – Generally speaking, reports for, you know, Love's rapport with Romeo Dobbs have been pretty glowing. And, you know, like I, I just said. Just like last year. <laughs> just like last year. But, I, I mean, I think, generally speaking, you would make the argument that Aaron Rodgers, I, I think, was a little bit more patient. Like, obviously, him and, and Watson had some lightning moments. But, you saw a lot of frustration also on Aaron Rodgers' part of of that connection with Christian Watson when it didn't work out. I I thought Romeo Dobbs had, you know, a, a generally more stable rookie season, less flashes in the pan, and I think he was a just a general better wide receiver, though a much lesser athlete coming out of college. Yeah, he doesn't have the upside that – like if – he doesn't have the upside for fantasy like Watson does. I do believe Watson will have some nice games, some nice plays. It's just I, I can't get him 
close to wide receiver. <laughs> no, but ESPN's Rob Domofsky reported Tuesday. Uh, this is a, a report shared by Bleacher Report uh, that Romeo Dobbs has quote unquote seemingly become quarterback Jordan Love's go-to guy, whether it is in scripted team periods or move the ball drills like the two-minute simulation. Dobbs has been targeted time and time again. That is Bleacher Report's latest uh, sort of like fantasy update on the target situation, but it's kind of interesting that with Christian Watson, we're not even mentioning Romeo Dobbs because he's pretty. That's what I was saying. Like, there's other wide receivers here that can take Watson's wide receiver one role. When you're looking at like Traylon Burks, there is no one with the Titans that if someone takes his role, that means he's just straight awful, and you could just drop him. You know. That's all it comes down to because you draft him later. It doesn't matter. You yeah. drop him. But uh, there's just, just not as much risk. But who is your second most underrated? Oh, my God. I keep saying underrated. Overrated player. Uh, let's talk about Dalton Kincaid, who's been the tight end darling of literally every human on earth. It's hard not to get excited about him. But then you really do have to just like <laughs> think. You have to. No, you have to stop thinking. You yeah. have to turn your brain off because – Everything is telling you not to draft Dalton Kincaid. And I understand the appeal, right? I love Dalton Kincaid. He is the best tight end in this class, from especially from a receiver standpoint. But we need to step back and remember, we're talking about a rookie tight end in the NFL. How valuable will he actually be throughout his rookie season? So right now on Fantasy Pros, average ADP, and of course this will fluctuate through the offseason, but... He's being drafted on average as tight end 11. And if anything, it'll go up. If anything, it'll go up as we get some reports uh, about Josh Allen and his connection. Like all it takes is one highlight reel. And Dalton Kincaid is going to be drafted in that awful tight end range, like tight end six to nine, where they just kill you because you could be drafting better players in that range, but you can't resist like, that is where I see Dalton Kincaid going. Uh, Josh Allen, among 59 quarterbacks to have at least 250 pass attempts since 2019, which was Allen's first season as a starter. Allen ranks 58th among those 59 quarterbacks in tight end target rate. Tight end target rate of 13.1%. Average for all quarterbacks in that span was 20.2%. So, like, well below average in terms of how often he's actually targeting the tight end position. Then we're not even talking about the fact that this guy's a rookie tight end, which is one of these positions that because of the intricacies of blocking schemes and, you know, receiving schemes, like tight ends have a lot to learn in their rookie season, which I think is a big reason why we don't have a ton of year one tight end breakouts. It's why Kyle Pitts was an enigma. Like, there's literally never been a rookie tight end to score more fantasy points than Kyle Pitts in their rookie season. And it, and it wasn't even that great of a season. It wasn't even that great. I mean, it was, really it, good was. it was, yeah. it was a, you know, he was the, what second tight end in NFL history to have a thousand receiving yards in his rookie season. But still Pitts in that season, it was a, a, rocky road to get to that fantasy production ranked 16th in terms of percentage played percentage of games played as a top 12 tight end like he was killing you more often than not and if that is the ceiling like if Kyle Pitts is the ceiling there 
I'm out. Especially, you know, like at, at tight end 11, like you might get a Dalton Schultz, the preferred Dalton for the 2023 season. That's my preferred Dalton. Yeah. It's hard because he's, I understand the appeal yeah. and the sexiness, but like because they he, don't target people the tar- are, it, yeah, I get it. But I also like I get what Dawson people- Knox is still that I didn't even bring up Dawson Knox who has a rapport with Josh Allen in the red zone. Do we think like they have a lot of money invested in Dawson Knox? Do we really think that he's just gonna poof disappear? I think people are just getting excited because he could be the second target in this offense. It could go Stephon Diggs, then Kincaid, it, but anything could yeah, happen. It's more likely it's I going could to be, win a million dollars tomorrow. More, most likely, it's going to be Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis still, and then probably even like Khalil Shakir, and then maybe even Dawson Knox, and then Kincaid. Kincaid's very exciting for Dynasty. Really, really like him. Like I do. I think he's, he's a being great drafted tight end. as a tight end six in Dynasty, which still feels rich because again, like you have to be so patient with tight ends in this league. And, yeah, um, you know, I feel like even just right now, like we had so much hope for TJ Hawkinson and now he's just sort of, he's just recouping his value. Yeah. Now I'm getting excited about him, but even the goat of Travis Kelsey, his first two years, his first year he missed, but even his like first year is really, really, really good playing in league. It was 862 yards and five touchdowns. It's so good. It's still not really going to give you anything for fantasy. Now, he is going as tight on 11, so it's not like the worst price ever. You don't but have to invest a lot. That would I- have to be like, that would be an amazing year for Kincaid, though. 800 yards and five touchdowns. That would be an amazing rookie tight end season. I actually, like, I think, you know, 800 receiving or 800 receiving yards, five touchdowns, that would probably land you. Somewhere around like what tight end five, tight end six. No one cares about tight end five, tight end six. How many times do I have to tell people? <laughs> but this? yeah, they if don't, you don't have the top one or two tight ends, maybe three. Then just stream the position because you don't want to be stuck with these terrible tight end six on your roster that you have to plug in every week that are destroying you more than they're helping you. And that's what I think Dalton Kincaid is like. If you were happy with Taysom Hill last year, no, you weren't. <laughs> no, you weren't. You were happy some games, but mostly really sad. I, again, I love Dalton Kincaid. Um, my my favorite bet for the NFL draft was that he was going to be the first tight end off the board. Don't mean to brag, but was I just don't. Was that a hard prediction? I mean, it. Michael Mayer, uh, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty heavy odds favorite. I think it was like minus 250 or something. But anyway, uh, Dalton Kincaid, I just don't see the fantasy upside, uh, especially in his rookie season. Down the line, I'm all about me some Dalton Kincaid, but right now, no thank you. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to move on to a more uh, respected tight end that people are really going to want to draft. And Well, no, not respected, but yes. Dalton Kincaid is not disrespected. No, he's respected, but I'm talking about a veteran who's one of the best tight ends in the league, and it's George Kittle. He's going as a tight end four. So George Kittle is overrated. He's overrated for fantasy consistently i mean it happens every year but specifically this year he of course is being ranked super high and he'll end there like he's a, he's ranked as a tight end four i'm not going to be shocked if at the end of the season he ends as the tight end four in fantasy yes could totally happen the thing is he costs way too much and he's far too inconsistent 
the big games are great, but he also just has so many games that kill you. Seven of his 15 games played last year, almost half of his games, he scored seven or fewer PPR points. Seven or fewer. Oof. That's nearly half his game. He had fewer than 30 receiving yards in eight games. That's more than half the games he played. And two other games, he had 39 yards and 47 yards. So in 10 games of his 15, he didn't even hit 50 yards. There's too many mouths to feed in this offense. They're all still there. And you never know. Kyle Shanahan doesn't care. He's not a guy that's going to just feed one guy. It could be a Kittle game one week or a Devo game the next week or a CMC game or a Brandon Ayuk game. There's the, the 49ers are a really good offense. That's great. But that doesn't that's not great for fantasy because you never know who's going to be fed besides Christian McCaffrey. Sure. Like he's going to get his volume every week, but with George Kittle, you're depending on touchdowns. He went through a great little span there at the end of the year, scoring seven touchdowns, I think in like the last five games, but that's not really his thing either. He's never scored a lot of touchdowns in his career. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. If Brock Purdy's healthy all the way or not, or if it's Trey Lance or if it's Sam Darnold, God forbid, if it's Sam Darnold, good luck. And I, I can't take George Kittle. The thing is, though, like his upside is ridiculous. Yeah, he so can win you a week. He can, but, it's but not he cannot. Like it, he can win you a week, but like he can, he can win you a week. So can these other guys, though, that he's going around, and I'd rather have their position and take uh, a just. Travis Kelsey, right? Just take Travis Kelsey or Travis Kelsey is going to be a first round pick. Well, I know, easily. I know. George Kittle I know. Will not, I so. know. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But if you want to get that tight end, you can plug in every week and feel good. You just got to go get Travis Kelsey. Maybe Mark Andrews is more consistent with Lamar Jackson. Maybe TJ Hawkinson with the Vikings is consistent. Those are fine picks. But with George Kittle, you know, half the time, He's going to score seven or fewer fantasy points. Like you can't have that in your lineup half the time when you took him as a tight end four. You're taking him. He's being sandwiched right now between Alexander Madison, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, Miles Sanders, Tyler Lockett. You know who can also win you weeks? Those guys. And they're more valuable positions with like I just they're also inconsistent, sure, but besides Alexander Madison, I'm very excited about. But I just can't take George Kittle there. George Kittle, week 11 on, had four games of two receiving touchdowns. Yeah. I also look at his receiving yards. I mean, it, yeah, like definitely. Some with Brock Purdy, he almost never, like so many games with 30 fewer receiving yards with Brock Purdy. But also had some lot had of, some stunners. So many receiving touchdowns. That's great. It's just not something that's reliable at all. I mean, I, I, again, I hear you. Um but I, I if also... Kittle was this known touchdown scorer throughout his whole career, then fine. Like he's in a great offense, he can score a lot of. He could score a lot of touchdowns this year, a hundred percent. But he, I mean, last year was his first season that he had what even over seven receiving touchdowns in a year. I do think that, like with George Kittle, you know what you're going to get. Right, last year get... was the first year he had over six. You're going to get volatility. Over six receiving touchdowns in a season. He's These were his season touchdowns. Two, five, five, two, six. And then last year he jumped to 11. But he was on pace to score very few touchdowns again until the end of the year when he put up randomly seven touchdowns in, like, these few games. Like, he only had four before that. He was on pace again to do another five or six touchdowns. I just can't – I can't depend on that. 
think and also he's a guy that gets injured a lot too because he plays so hard he's so tough and he won't go down on the first tackle so he gets injured every year and I just want nothing to do with him at tight end for cost I yeah it's fair it's fair but like I love George Kittle. Take I Evan love... Ingram later. He's going to be just as con- inconsistent as George Kittle. Have big games. He's in a really good offense, but he's going much, much later. Yeah. So that's But just... I like, Ugh, I love George Kittle. <laughs> I, I love him as a player too. This is the thing. All these players, they are loved. That's why they're going so high because people have such great feelings about Dang. them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, they weren't loved and they weren't fun players and they weren't really good players. They wouldn't be overrated because people wouldn't rate them so high. That is a good point. All right. Let's get to your last one before we uh, close out the show. Who's your last most overrated player? This, uh, this one hurts me a lot. If it's who I think you're going to say, I just can't even. It's Austin Eckler, RB2. Oh, okay. I thought you were going Justin Herbert for a second. I was no, like, are you trying no. to get a divorce? <laughs> right. No, no. Right. Austin um, Eckler, I, I'm with you on this one. Talk about Austin it. Eckler, RB2 in Fantasy Pro, Fantasy Pro's ADP, um, which, like, I get it because he's been one of the most productive running backs in the league. Like, there's not a ton of even data that I, I think I can give you in terms of, like, fading – Austin Eckler based on what he's done as a running back. Cause you look at the touchdown production, it's there. You look at the receiving touchdown production, it's there. You look at the target volume, it's there. All things seem like they should be working out. But I, I think there are a lot of little details when I look at Austin Eckler that just give me some hesitancy at RB two never had more than 206 carries in a season never been like the uber efficient guy, right? Like never, you know, been, um, you know, in the, the first two seasons of his career, 5.2 yards per carry 5.5. Um, but since then kind of hovered around like 4.3, 4.4, like been kind of average. Um, but he's gotten a lot of opportunities in, in terms of his target share in terms of, uh, you know, his, his red zone carries, but, Year over year, uh, we've seen, you know, some decrease in efficiency, yards after contact per attempt. Uh, Like, there are a lot of things that you need to consider with an aging running back. But I think one of the most interesting things we should consider is the addition of Kellen Moore to this offense. And what does the deep pass attack mean? So, you know, we've seen some reports this offseason that, Generally speaking, this isn't going to be as safe an offense. And, and it can't be if they want to win. It can't be. If they want to be the best they can be. You can't be passing. You Austin can't Eckler manage two feet games. away 1,000 times in a season. And I think that's where it, I'm not I'm not saying that's where Austin Eckler's fantasy production has come from necessarily. But a large part of that has been thanks to his role as a receiver. And I do think that if offensively this this plan sort of actually comes to fruition and they do develop this deep pass attack, those opportunities are going to be less frequent for Austin Eckler. I worry that, um, you know, the Quentin Johnston, if Mike Williams can stay healthy for like more than five minutes, Keenan Allen, like they're flooding this offense with a variety of weapons. And if their goal is to start to push Justin Herbert a little bit more to make some of these 
big time throws that you know he's capable of with that arm, then I don't see that complimenting in you know in Austin Eckler who has thrived on some of that safety that the offense has provided the Chargers over the last couple of years. Like he's been kind of a safety blanket and I I feel like they're kind of wanting to take off that safety blanket and especially if they come into the season without a, a long-term extension for Justin Herbert. I think that's probably a signal that they're going to want to see what he can do. Like, can he actually put this team on his shoulders? Cause if he can, he's going to be owed a lot of money, but I don't know that he's necessarily showed enough right now to put him among these elite quarterbacks. I feel like they're going to want to see a little bit more, which again, just doesn't play into Austin Eckler at RB two. I feel like that's his ceiling. Absolute well, ceiling. I mean, RB two is pretty great. Well, ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> if you're taking the RB two and he ends as RB two, you're happy. I mean, that's an amazing. Well, yes, yes. Okay, that was a stupid statement. Yeah, but that was stupid. Um, I, I will <laughs> say, this is the reason I'm with you on Austin Eckler. I've had Austin Eckler in every single one of my teams basically for the last two years because I was on Austin Eckler like. I was the conductor before his 2021 huge team. Like I was obsessed. And then last year I still thought he was going to have a really nice year, but he has scored 20 total touchdowns in 2021 and then 18 total touchdowns in 2022. That cannot continue. That really can't. It's going to be so hard for him to put up those type of touchdown numbers year after year after year, nearly impossible. Like there has to be so many things that go your way, which they have. And this is a big reason why I've been on the Justin Herbert train this year Everything's been going not his way near the goal line. It's like, oh, a ball just gets dropped or, oh, we're right at the like one-yard line or, or Austin Eckler makes these insane plays and he gets in. He's going to get touchdowns, yes, but 18 to 20, I don't think so. So I'll still have Eckler ranked as a top five guy likely or right around there, but I'm going to be having Bijan Robinson and even Tony Pollard higher than Austin Eckler. So I do think RB two for him is too high and he's not going to be on any of my teams this year, sadly, because I love him. Players that have had uh, more than two seasons with 18 or more touchdowns. Uh, there's been one and that's Ladanian Tomlinson. And he was pretty great. And Hey, another chargers guy. Hey, hey. the chargers are pretty good, huh? Hmm. Well, you would no, think they'd but, been a yeah. You would think they'd win some something, some uh, playoff games <laughs> here. <laughs> you would you would think, but like Austin Eckler, he he literally has to be like Ladainian Tomlinson to keep this up. It's pretty crazy what he's done. I mean, when you look at the other guys, he was an undrafted free agent. Uh, well, Kate just got out of the list, but it was like Emmett Smith, Priest Holmes. It was like every it was great, the elites. Yeah, it was like every great uh, running back you can think of. Uh, but so what he's done is amazing. And it's truly special, but doing it three years in a row is nearly impossible. Nearly impossible. And I still, like I said, he's still, I don't think if you draft Austin Eckler, you're going to be upset. He's going to be fine. It's just, I don't think he's going to have the season he's had the last couple of years, especially with in PPR leagues when you're, he, there's no way they can jump, dump off the ball to him as much. His efficiency like was terrible last year as a receiver. And it's because they were passing to him a hundred times a game and defense is new and it destroyed him. I mean, 6.7 yards per reception last year. That's bad for any running back. It's terrible for Austin Eckler. The year prior, he was at 9.2. His first three years in the league, he was at over 10 yards per reception, which is insane for a running back. But you can't 
be killing Eckler like that, where you're just passing to him nonstop, where defenses know and he's, I mean, they're ready for Because that it. was the play. That was yeah. the go-to. So he might be able to be more efficient this year, but when you play in PPR leagues, you're getting that point every time he gets that reception. And he had 107 receptions last year. The year prior, that was also amazing, 70 receptions. Just a, And it was still a great year, amazing year. But that's a huge drop-off. And it was an amazing year because he had 20 touchdowns. I can't predict that this year. Yeah, I I want to. I love Austin Eckler, and I really want him to, like, dominate and, and you know, I don't know, maybe earn some money somewhere. If he was going towards the end of the first round or after, I don't know, just a little bit later, I would, like, if he was going in the second round, down, down. But – I just feel like the chances of him actually finishing as the RB2 feel kind of low this year. I'm sorry, Austin. All right. That is it for today's show. If you're mad at us, I'm so sorry. If you're mad at us, reach out to us on Twitter. We can disagree. It's okay. You can like these guys still. I'm sure we're wrong at least about a few of them. That's fine. That's fine if you disagree. So you can hit me up. I'm Michelle to come yell at me. Uh, my Twitter username is at Bob Blastem, Bob Blastem. And I'm Kate. You could follow me at Kate Majuk. Uh, that's M-A-G-D. Um, and please. Just follow- M-A-G-D? No, M-A-G-D-Z-I-U-K. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say you finish that. Uh, but like subscribe, you know, follow along. And we, we want to hear from you. So let us know who's wrong because I know – you guys definitely think one of these takes is wrong. Oh, yeah. I want to hear we it. We definitely talked about one of your favorite fantasy players today. <laughs> All right. Bye, y'all. Bye.